0: 2 Timothy 4, 5-8. through 8. Here's the Word of God. It says, As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your word, and we thank you once again that we have the opportunity to to be together in it. We pray that You would help us, that You would grow us in Your grace as we consider Your Word together this morning. We thank You for the Gospel of Your Son. And we long for the day when we can turn our eyes physically on Jesus. We long for that day. We thank You that it's coming. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've got a couple of things to say. First one, um, I've learned a lot this last week about how Facebook Live works. And I will know, I will know, this is just a warning to you. I will know if you drop out right now. If you stop, if you turn your computer off right now, if you log off, just because I'm starting to talk, you, you enjoyed the music, and it was really nice, and I'm very thankful for the music, so you came for the music, and then you're, you're leaving now, I'll know. I won't know exactly who it is, but I'll see the numbers drop. So if I see numbers drop, I'm gonna, I know who to call. I know, my, I know my first few phone calls. So don't drop out. You hurt my feelings. And really, there's nothing else I can do about it besides say that, but don't drop out. Second thing... I want to say, maybe you've already noticed, the coronavirus has brought a lot of upheaval into our lives. There have been a lot of things that have been canceled or postponed because of COVID-19. I'm sure you've noticed. The question we have this morning... The question that we can ask our text, we can ask the Apostle Paul this morning, we can ask the Apostle Paul together, what about making disciples? Has that been canceled? Has coronavirus canceled disciple making? Has coronavirus canceled mentoring younger believers, encouraging our family and our friends with the word of God? Sharing the, the gospel with unbelievers. Has coronavirus canceled that? It's canceled a lot of things. Has it canceled disciple making? If we were able to call the apostle Paul, we can do a lot of cool stuff with technology now. We, we still haven't figured out how to call the apostle Paul. But if we could call the apostle Paul and say, Hey, Paul, what do you think, buddy? Do you think we can just postpone trying to get people to follow Jesus. At least until like May 1st. School is canceled through May 1st. Let's just cancel following Jesus. Let's just cancel making disciples. Just until May 1st. What would Paul say? What would he say? I mean, throughout this letter, over and over and over again, he has been calling Timothy and then us as well, to make disciples, to do gospel ministry, to, to be true to the word of God, to be clear with the word of God, to bring it to bear on the lives of our family and our friends, to those God has brought into our lives, to continue to do gospel ministry, to believe and obey the Word of God and to encourage others to do the same. That's been the, the, the drumbeat of Second Timothy. But what about in the midst of a coronavirus outbreak? What in the, what about in the midst of all of this upheaval? What if we said, Paul, can we just lie low for a while? What would he say? Well, the beauty of the Word of God is that we know what he would say. We know exactly what he would say because he said it in our verses here this morning. It's, it's almost as if scripture is sufficient for any kind of crisis we might face. Because we know exactly what Paul would say, because he's already said it, and as, and as we read these words from Paul to us, we remember actually this is the word of God to us through the apostle Paul. So yes, we are going through this season of coronavirus confusion and uncertainty and upheaval. Paul is going to say, "Here's what you need to do." If we had the guts to say, "Paul, can we can we can we cancel?" We, I would call you up, Paul, and say, "Can we cancel disciple make?" Here's what he would say. He would tell us, verse five. He would say, "Be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry." He would he would say, "No, keep going, keep going." So this. So we're going to see in our sermon this morning, we're going to see that's Paul's command to us. And not only are we going to hear Paul's command to us, we're going to see Paul's example to us, and then we're going to see Paul's promise to us. That's our sermon this morning. As we go through these next few days or weeks or whatever of coronavirus upheaval, we have Paul's command to us, we have Paul's example to us, and we have Paul's promise to us. Those are the three parts of the sermon. Let's look at them together. Part one is Paul's command to us. It comes to us here in verse 5 of 2 Timothy 4. Paul says, as for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. This is Paul's command to us. Now it's true that Paul, of course, originally was writing this right to Timothy himself. And so there are some ways, and this this is directly for him, but it is also a command for all believers because we're all called to gospel ministry. We're all called to be making disciples. We're all called to be encouraging the people God has placed in our lives to continue to follow Jesus, to trust Jesus, to believe the gospel, and to live lives that are worthy of the gospel. So this is for all of us. I don't know what's going on in your heart and your mind this morning. I don't know. I don't don't know what kind of upheaval all of this has brought to you personally. I don't know. Um, I don't know what kind of fears you have. Maybe this morning, you're not even really thinking about, maybe your main fears and your main worries really aren't coming from coronavirus itself, but you had things going on before coronavirus, and you'll have stuff going on after this is all cleared up. You have you have some deep sorrows and some deep concerns and some deep worries in your own life. And and maybe, maybe it's just that coronavirus is just making it all that much more difficult to deal with. I don't know, I don't know what's going on in your heart in your life this morning. I don't know. But I do know what Paul's command to us. That we can follow by the grace of God. I do know what that is. I can say to you, because it's right here in Scripture, I can say to you, here's what Paul would have us do. And so here's what God would have us do. The first thing he says in verse 5 is, always be sober-minded. Always be sober-minded. Which, which means, keep your cool. Be level-headed. Keep your wits about you. Don't get so caught up in what's going on around you that you forget the truth of Scripture. Don't forget. Don't, don't forget that God is using every single thing that all of this upheaval is throwing at you. He's using every single bit of that to make you more like Jesus. Don't forget that that Jesus absolutely is going to keep building His church until He brings His church home to Him. Don't forget that God Himself is the God of all comfort. Let's keep our heads as we go through this. Let's keep our heads. Let's keep our eyes steady on the goodness and the the faithful, stubborn love of God. Let's keep our eyes steady. Let's be sober-minded. Now, if we're going to do this, we're going to need each other. We're going to need each other. We're going to need to keep reminding each other, encouraging each other. We're going to have to keep with it. I I, I learned this Wednesday night. Wednesday night on Facebook, I did a little Bible study. And uh, and just a time of... We, we spent some time in Psalm 36, and then we sp- um, spent some time of, in prayer. Um, and I promise you that even though I was the one doing the teaching, and it was my beautiful face you got to see there on your screen... Um, I, I promise you, I came away more encouraged than anybody else. Because I believed, Psalm 36, I believed in the steadfast love of God, but I was having a hard time being happy about it. I was having a hard time being thankful for it. I was having a hard time connecting my theology to the world around me. I was, in, a, in short, I was having a hard time being level-headed. I was having a hard time keeping my eyes steady. I knew it was my job in that moment to tell you the truth. But I was was having a hard time believing it. You say, do do pastors go through that? Do, Do teachers and preachers go through that? No, just me. I'm the only one. But it does happen to me. And so what happened was, you guys flooded me with texts with phone calls, with Facebook comments, with Facebook messages, and you affirmed over and over and over that you believed what I was saying. You believed the Word of God. It's not special because I was saying it. It's special because it's God's revealed Word to us and you were thankful for it and you believed it. And you helped me to believe what I was saying. We need each other. We need each other. I need you to keep me, to help me keep level headed. And you need each other. We're in this together. Let's be sober minded. Let's keep our wits about us. Let's let's keep our eyes on the truth of the Word of God. Be sober minded, Paul says the next thing he says here in verse 5, he says, endure suffering. Paul says it's going to be hard. You you are going to suffer. Sometimes Christians, we, we suffer because the people that we love don't love the gospel. The people that we want to believe the gospel won't. So, so sometimes we get mistreated, marginalized, even abandoned because we want people to believe the gospel and they want nothing to do with it. And so, and so there's just trouble there. There's tension there. There's frustration there. Sometimes we suffer for the gospel itself. And then sometimes we just suffer because life stinks. Because something comes along and throws your life into a spiral. You're going to to suffer, Paul says. You need to get ready to endure suffering. And I don't think any of us who know the biography of the Apostle Paul would probably say this to him. But if we were to say this to him, if we were to say to him, Paul, it's too much. I mean, I'm going to keep believing the Gospel, but you can't expect me to be happy about it. I'm going to keep following Jesus, but you can't expect me to be joyful and and at peace. And you don't, you you can't expect contentment here. You you certainly, Paul, can't expect me to try to help other believers or or help people who haven't yet believed the gospel to understand and believe it. You can't expect during this season to, of suffering that no, you can't. Ex- it's too much. It's too hard. If we said that, Paul would say, yeah, it's hard. It's going to involve suffering. But it's not too hard. It's not too much. It's not easy. We're not asked, church, we're not asked to pretend that we're not scared. That we're not anxious. That we're not worried about how everything's going to work out. We're not asked to say that it's easy. We're asked... We're told to endure suffering. To believe that God absolutely gives us the grace through His Spirit. He he has not given us the spirit of of fear, He's given us the spirit of of love and of power and of self control. To, To believe that God gives us the grace to do what He calls us to do, what He tells us to do in His Word. We're not asked to pretend it's easy. We're asked to endure suffering by the grace of God. And then he says, do the work of an evangelist. He says, be sober-minded. He says, endure suffering. He says, do the work of an evangelist. Which is just simply tell people the Gospel. Tell people the good news. Say to people, Jesus died for you. Jesus died in your place so that your sins can be forgiven. Tell people that good news. Tell people, if if you trust Jesus as your Savior, if you believe that when He died on the cross, it was sufficient to save you from your sins, you can be healed of your deepest, darkest problem, which is your own sin, so that you can have a new heart that loves and honors God, so that you can be brought home to a virus-free, sin-free, death-free eternity with God complete safety complete joy church tell people that tell people that and if you and again if you've just kind of stumbled on this video and you're not sure about the the gospel you're just not sure then message us call the church facebook us we will we will talk to you we will talk to you about the gospel. We'll try to help you understand what it means if you have any questions. If you've never believed that Jesus is your only hope in life and death, if you've never believed that you need to be saved from your sins, saved from the wrath of God for the sins that you've committed, and that Jesus Christ and His death and His burial and His resurrection are your only hope. If you've never believed that, then please believe it right now. And church, let's do that. Let's, let's do the work of an evangelist. Let's, let's do the work of telling people that stuff. And I know you can't be in the same room as anyone else. I know you can't. But we we have cell phones and we have the post office and we have email and we have Facebook. We can tell people the good news. Let's do the work of an evangelist. And then Paul says, fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. And this is such a great little phrase for such a time as this. This is such a great little phrase. Because Paul's not saying you fulfill someone else's ministry. You, you fulfill your ministry. If you're a mom or a dad or a grandma or a grandpa or you, you're a friend or a neighbor, if you're a big sister or a big brother, you're a pastor you're a teacher, you're, whatever you are, you're a, you're a fellow church member, whatever you are, you fulfill your ministry. Now, has God changed the conditions? Yes, He has. Has He changed what you're able to do? Yes. Yes, He has. In His own mysterious, good decision-making, He has thrown a monkey wrench into it. Life is different than it was a week ago, than it was two weeks ago. God has changed the conditions. But has he taken away the call to be faithful? No, he hasn't. I was um, I was talking to my dad a few days ago. Uh, my dad just turned 78, 78 years old, and he is an Uber driver. Um, so... So last week, there, the old people had in, at First Baptist had to teach the young people what a stamp was. Now, old people, you need to find a young person and have them teach you what Uber driver is, all right? So my my dad is probably the only 78-year-old Uber driver in the history of Uber, all right? And so he's an Uber driver, which is like a taxi driver with, with an app on his phone. He goes around picking up um, people that need a ride and taking them places. It's usually around Michigan State University, um, and so that's that's most of the rides he gives there are college students here or there, um, and uh, yeah, and and you say that's weird. That's a weird thing for a seventy year old guy to be doing. If you met my dad, he'd be like, yeah, that's weird, but it's normal for him. And, and actually, if you met my dad and you talked to him for any length of time, you'd know why I am the way I am. You'd be like, well, that, that makes sense now. I And it, this explains why Steve is so, and I would say awesome, you would say something different, but anyhow, you would understand me better if you if you had a conversation with my dad. One of the things my dad loves to do while he's Uber driving, he loves to tell people about Jesus. He tell, he loved, he, he'd rather have a bad Uber rating for as a driver and get a few gospel conversations in than, than, to, uh, than to miss an opportunity to talk to people about Jesus. And he told me a couple days ago, with this coronavirus thing, people are way more interested in talking about life, death, the gospel, what matters. People are way more interested during this season of talking about what happens after we die? There's just a lot more uncertainty right now than there, than there was a few months ago. I'm, and so my dad's fulfilling his ministry. He can't do everything. He can't do everything he could have done even a few weeks ago. He can't do everything he could, he could have done when he was in his 30s or 40s. He, he can't do everything. He doesn't, have to do, he doesn't have to do everything. He doesn't have to be everybody. He's just fulfilling his ministry. And he'll keep doing it until Uber shuts him down and then I'll move on to something else. If you have children, if you have, especially teenagers, if you've got, you got children, you've got teenagers, if you, you know what, this, this period right now, this period of uncertainty and upheaval, I, I bet, I bet that there are people in your life who are willing to have serious conversations with you right now. Children, teenagers, loved ones, people you've been praying for for a while. I I bet that you could you could hop on the phone, and you could have a good conversation with someone in your life, someone who's probably been closed off to things for a while. These kinds of upheavals, they're good for us. There there are things, of course, of course, there are things you couldn't do are you can't do that you could do previously. Of course God has narrowed the parameters. Of course he has. Everybody can look around and see that. But I also firmly believe that God is giving you opportunities that you didn't have before coronavirus. Fulfill your ministry. That's Paul's command to us. Be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. So that's, that's part one. That's Paul's command to us. And you say, boy, that felt like a whole sermon. I'm telling you, don't drop off the, the live feed right now or I will know. If a whole bunch of people drop off now, I will be offended. I will know. And there will be repercussions. Probably not. But don't drop off now. Stay with me. These last two points are going to be shorter than the first one, most likely. All right, here we go. Part two. Paul's example to us. So we have Paul's command to us, but he's not just leaving us out there, just hey, go get it, boys. No, he's giving us an example as well. Verses six through seven. So, <laughs> I love these verses. And as as um the, the, the music team was was um as the music team was singing, turn your eyes upon Jesus, and I was thinking about these verses, I was like, man, I gotta hold it together. I gotta preach in a couple minutes. I can't be bawling, but I love these verses. Paul's example to us. He says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. Paul gives us, and just in that phrase, he gives us this great example of how we can be thinking about our death. How we can be thinking about the death of a saint. How we can be thinking about our life and what it means. He says, I'm a drink offering. The drink offering in the Old Testament was just the final offering that the, the priest would pour on. There's just this, this red wine that would pour over the altar and just trickle down. And it was the final offering that the priest would, would offer. And Paul is saying, my life is... Because Paul already talked about this, right? He said, he said our, our lives are living sacrifices. Our, our lives as we're living them are... Our living sacrifices, they're they're, they're for the glory of God. They're for the fame of God. They're to be offered up in thankfulness and service to God. It's all about His glory. And Paul says, now that I'm coming to the end. This is the last letter Paul writes. It's the last short time of his life. And he's saying, now that I'm coming to the end, my death is what my life was. It's just this final offering. My life has been about the glory of God. And... And my death is going to be as well. And he says, the time of my departure has come. I love that word departure because what it would have, what it would have brought to mind for the people who first read it, it would have brought to mind this idea of, of a, of a boat that was tied to the shore being unloosed and set adrift, set sail. It's this this idea of Paul hopping on this final boat and setting sail for the horizon. He's, He's being unloosed from the earth. He's being set free. He's being sent on his way to eternity, to his Savior, to the greatest and best chapters of his existence. Paul says, I'm going home. verse 7 he talks about his life what a great way to think about our lives as well he says i have fought the good fight i have finished the race i have kept the faith paul says i have i have fought the good fight this is a good fight that we are in is it a struggle yes is it a war yes is it hard yes but it is a good fight it is a worthwhile fight he says i have finished the race which and and, and again that word for race there, he is, he is bringing to mind a very specific race course. He is saying, I have finished my race, the, the course that God has given me to run. I have finished it. I, in other words, I have fulfilled my ministry. He says, Timothy, I'm calling you to fulfill your ministry, and I want you to see that by God's grace you can do it, because, because I did by God's grace. Over and over and over in in his letters, Paul says, over and over, he says, this is, this is God's grace in me. This is the work of Christ in me. This is not my own strength. This is the strength that God powerfully works in me. Paul, Paul says, Timothy, look at my life. I have finished the race that God has given me to finish. I have fulfilled my ministry. You can too. He says, I have kept the faith, which means When he says the faith there, he doesn't mean just faith in general like this good vibes, positive thoughts, good feelings. He's not talking about that. He's talking about the actual gospel found in God's Word. Paul says, I have clung to that. I have held tightly to the gospel, to the faith, the goodness of God and the grace of God and the glory of God, the wisdom of God that is ours in Christ Jesus through salvation, through His shed blood. I have held on to that. You hold on to it too, Timothy. Because the point here, the point of Paul saying, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. The point is that that, that Paul wants us to see This good example. And and to know that if God did that with Paul, He can do that with us as well. That the same grace of God that was real for Paul, that was sustaining for Paul, that was strengthening and life-giving every single day for Paul is available to us as well. You fulfill your ministry. You can do it. So that's Paul's command to us and Paul's example to us and then part three paul's promise to us paul's promise to us now i teared up when i was thinking about verses six and seven and i mean it was not just tearing up when i when i was listening to turn your eyes upon jesus and i was thinking about this verse what grace Paul's promise to us. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved His appearing. Here is the promise. Here is why we can keep going. Here is what we're aiming for. Here is what, here's what's absolutely coming down the pike for us because of the grace upon grace upon grace In Jesus Christ. Paul says that one day he's going to receive the crown of righteousness. And there's no greater crown than this. And it's not just for Paul. It's for all those who love Jesus' appearing. Have you believed the Gospel? Are you trusting Christ as your Savior? And are you saying, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Are you longing for the day of Christ's appearing? Then Paul says, there's a, there's a crown of righteousness for you as well. What does that crown of righteousness mean? This is probably the phrase I spent the most time on this week, studying this out. What is a crown of righteousness What it means is that this is the moment when we will be glorified. We will be made righteous. We will actually be righteous people. We will be good on the inside out. See, on one level, we're righteous already. Right, we're already justified. If you think of if you think of, of heaven having a a legal system, and if you think of of the ability to go and to look at your criminal record in heaven's legal system, it should be a pretty long rap sheet. It should be pretty ugly. If we think about the standard of God's holiness, and then we think about our lives, we should go to heaven. It would be a pretty embarrassing thing to look at our legal rap sheet. Well, the, the Scripture says that if we are in Christ Jesus, if we're trusting Christ, then we're justified. It means that our... <laughs> this is great. It means that Christ has expunged our legal record. He has expunged our guilty record, and He has put there His own righteousness. So we are justified legally. Really, really, really cool thing. We're also going to be made righteous. when, When we're given this crown of righteousness, this is not just being justified, this is being glorified. This means that we will no longer sin. No more sin. I cannot wait for this day. I cannot wait for this day to be completely good, to always do the good thing. No more sin, no more lust, no more lying, no more bitterness, no more arrogance, no more sinfully losing my temper, no more sin. I will be righteous. I will not hurt anyone ever again. No more sinful worry or fear. No more jealousy. No more envy. No more! That's what this crown of righteousness means. This is what Christ is going to give us by His grace. What a day that will be. I cannot wait to be a person who never sins again. Paul says, do you long for that day? Do you long for the day of Jesus Christ's appearing? If so, then then there is a crown of righteousness laid up for you. And until then, here's what we can and must do by God's grace no matter what kind of upheaval is filling our lives, here's what we can and must do. We must be sober-minded. We must keep our heads. We must endure suffering. We don't give up following Jesus and and encouraging others to follow Jesus just because life is chaotic. We must do the work of an evangelist. Whatever ways God gives us the opportunities to do so, we must fulfill our ministry. It's going to be a good day, church. Jesus is going to come. He's going to get us. We're going to be with Him forever. And I'll never sin against you against my precious family. I'll never sin against myself. I'll never sin sin against my holy God who sent His Son to bleed out for me. I'll never sin again. Until then, by His grace, let's keep making disciples. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that's in it. We thank you that this passage is not only good for this this season of upheaval we're facing right now. It's good for any season of upheaval we might face for the rest of our lives. It's been good for every single season of upheaval that the church has faced for the last 2,000 years. This passage is good it's just good news for weary people. We thank You for it. We thank You for it. Help us to believe. Help us to believe. And if there's anybody who's listening to this right now, in any way, who's never believed the Gospel, I pray that they do it right now. They would believe that Jesus is the Savior that they need to save them from their sins. And if they have questions, I pray that they reach out to us, God. I pray that you'd work in the hearts towards that end. And I pray that you'd encourage us as we go about our week. I pray that you'd help us to love each other, keep making disciples. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for times like this which remind us just how much we need it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.